Well, hello again, my friends. How do you find yourselves this week? I find myself a little nervous, a little apprehensive, a little anxious, as though there is something big coming around the corner, and it might be great, it might be terrible, it might be both. I am always musing about change to you, aren't I? I suppose it's only natural, because change will come no matter what, especially if one is awake and ready for it. I am here to guide the change in my long, strange life, to safeguard it, and to steer it in the direction I want it to go, to make change serve me. Only insofar as you are also here to make change in your life serve you, too. We are equal in that change does not discriminate between us. It will strike, and we must be ready for that strike. Use its energy and force it to bend to your will. You can do this. We both can. Anyway. Enough of my rallying cry to myself. Guess what, my friend? No. Go on, guess. I have a story for you. <laughs> Quelle surprise. Are you ready for it? This one is about an infernal carriage ride. One I hope you should never find yourself on. A wealthy man once ordered a carriage to his home, you see. He was a busy man. He was a businessman. He had a family in the country and a home in the city for himself, and this was where he spent most of his time. Despite his family writing to him and eagerly asking when he could visit, he would refrain for as long as he could, uninterested in the domesticity of home life and the charm of the country. Instead of sun hats and shirt sleeves, he opted for top hats and pocket watches. Instead of the love of his children, he preferred the admiration of his peers. Instead of the warmth of the sun, he loved the scorching heat of a glass of brandy at the gentleman's club. I think you know the type of person I am describing. I do not judge this type of person but for one thing, for the loss of their own life. I fear that business and money and conquest can drain one of one's years. For me, this is no real problem. For your kind, though, I find it terribly... sad. But I digress. This gentleman. He was to finally visit his family. I mentioned that he ordered a carriage to come to his home in the city. He brought along a briefcase full of documents and work, and even a deck of playing cards, just to keep him busy on the long ride to the country, and also to keep him from going mad once he was there. 
He was in his drink, having prepared for the long, turbulent journey by indulging in a few glasses of his fine brandy. Once he heard the clip-clop of hooves outside his window, he surmised that his carriage had arrived, and he hopped in without so much as a glance towards either the horse or the rider. Inside it was finer than he expected. The interior was black leather and gold filigree curled around the windows and armrests in a breathtaking design of vines and leaves, and some other things he didn't stop to notice just yet. He hadn't had a look at the driver when he entered, but he wondered if he was dressed as finely as the carriage. Was the horse also decorated with such tasteful designs, he wondered. Did they expect him to pay more for such a glamorous ride? He wouldn't if that's what the driver hoped, he scoffed to himself, and took a sip from a flask, settling in for almost twelve hours of travel. I'll sleep immediately when I arrive in the morning, he grumbled to himself, already imagining angrily his impending need to roar at the children to be silent. He dozed off for the first hour of his voyage, not caring to see the sunset out his window or the orange spreading across the hills turning to red, then to dark blue, then finally to black where they disappeared entirely. By the time he cared to open his eyes and draw the little black velvet curtain and look out the window, everything was dark, and there was nothing left to see. And so... He took a hefty swig from his flask, closed his eyes once more, and dozed off again. And the next time he opened them, there was someone sitting across from him in the carriage. Wearing a black velvet coat that went all the way to the floor, covering their legs, arms, and neck completely, it was embroidered with swirls of gold leaves, and it made the stranger match the decor of the vehicle perfectly. Their hands and face were the only bits of skin visible, and these were whiter than milk. This, combined with the boniness of the hands and the sunken nature of the facial features, made the person seem incredibly sick and weak. However, the broad smile on their face seemed to say otherwise. Their hands were folded one on top of the other, on their lap, and the starkness of the white against the black velvet was unsettling to the inebriated man in the carriage. The person's hair was thick, short, and black, and slicked back closely against the scalp. They seemed both very old and very young at the same time, and both very pretty and very hideous all at once, too. They withdrew a pipe from some invisible pocket and said casually, Do you mind? The man in the carriage shook his head, dumbfounded for the time being. A few minutes passed, and the two passengers stared at each other directly in the eye, one still smiling, the other seeming to be concerned, if not a little perturbed. The smoke coming from the pipe had an unusual smell to it, 
an awful, sharp smell that seemed somehow both familiar and completely alien. It had the distinct smell of something ancient and from the earth, and the smoke that came forth from it was yellow. The man eventually asked, I'm sorry I didn't realize this carriage was stopping for other passengers. I expected this to be a direct trip. The other passenger smiled a little more broadly, revealing a mouthful of shining white teeth, beautiful again but for the receded white gums that were revealed along with them. They just laughed and didn't answer. Some more time passed, and the man began to stare out the window instead, no longer able to bear the smoker's piercing gaze or the sight of the billowing yellow smoke. In the pitch black of the night, he saw another carriage go by in the opposite direction, so fast that he started at the sight and sound of it. Was the other carriage going so impossibly fast? Or was the carriage he was in going that quickly? Or were they both? Where are you headed, then? The smoking passenger asked. The man didn't turn to look at them. Back to my family, he said, the lack of enthusiasm evident in his tone. Ah, I see, the one in black answered. Suddenly the man's attention was brought back by the sound of cards being shuffled. Perhaps you'd like to play a game. The man grinned now, taking another drink from his flask. Now that's something, he answered. He began to reach for his wallet. Care to make it interesting? The one in black raised an eyebrow and answered, if you're suggesting we make a wager, I'm afraid I have no money on me to bet with, nor do I want yours. I have no care for the stuff, you see. The other man seemed to deflate a little, the thrill of conquest now gone. What do you want, then? What do you have? The one in black grinned again. Time, my friend. They passed the cards to the other passenger so that he could inspect them and be confident that they were simply a standard deck of cards. No tricks. And this carriage. Sell it if you like. It is mine and I'm pleased to give it to you. If you win, it's yours, and if I win, you give me this carriage ride. Simple as that. You do not return to your family tonight. You keep going with me towards my destination. You ride with me and give me your company and your time until we arrive. Fair? The man scoffed and laughed a little. The passenger clearly overestimated his interest in returning home. And where is your destination? The one in black waved a finger back and forth. That is a secret. That is why this is a game. And they extended a bony, skeletal hand in the man's direction. 
The man glanced around at the carriage and eyed the gold designs again. Vines, leaves, some poppies he newly noticed. But it was so fine, so expensive, so exquisite, that he suddenly knew he had to have it. He smiled and shook the strange passenger's hand. Fair. And they began to play. The first round passed fairly uneventfully, and the man won. The one in black nodded their head respectfully. Then, when we arrive, you may take my carriage. Well played. The man suddenly felt invigorated by his victory. Wait, wait. Let's have another, he suggested. He looked to the other person and eyed their strange, beautiful black coat. Your coat. Wager your coat. The one in black nodded. Very well. Then they played again, and the man won again. He'd have a fine velvet coat, embroidered in gold, to bring home to his wife. He was thrilled. Then you may take my coat, too. Well played, the one in black said, their smile never extinguishing. Let's have another, the greedy man insisted. Wager your cards. Very well, said the one in black. They played a third game, and the man won again. Then you may take my cards, too. Well played. Another. It's such a long journey. Let's keep playing, the man insisted. You can pay me back later. Or perhaps find something else to give me some day. He knew that the stranger in black must be extremely wealthy despite not carrying money around with them. And he wanted more. The one in black agreed. As they prepared to play again, the man looked out the window, and he saw another carriage go by at an incredible, unusual speed. It was followed by two more. He made a sound of surprise and glanced at the stranger in black who seemed completely unaffected. It's a busy road, they said, even at this time of night, at all times of night. Everyone's trying to get home, you see. And they played one more game. And this time, the passenger in black won. Ah, I've won the ride. We're going to my destination. They said a hint of fire and mischief and joy in their eyes now. Their eyes which, the man in the carriage realized, were just as yellow as the smoke that came forth from that awful pipe. Very well, the man growled, unhappy to be inconvenienced in such a way. They continued the ride for hours, and then more hours, and then even more hours. When the man glanced at his pocket watch, he saw that it had stopped completely, and he now had no idea how much time had passed. But it didn't matter any longer, since he didn't know where they were headed. Until he realized that too long had passed, surely, for the night to still be so black.
and for the stars to be so gold. Where are we going? the man asked. The other passenger did not answer. When will we arrive? Still no answer. Until finally the carriage stopped. And the door opened, and another person stood, waiting to enter. It was a woman, dressed in a fine satin gown and wrapped in fur and in jewels. She had an air of impatience about her. When the man in the top hat with his broken pocket watch looked at her, he was utterly confused by her appearance. She had short, curled hair, and her dress was short and beaded, not like the gowns the man had seen in his own town, or, more appropriately, his own time. That's strange. I thought I called for a limousine. The woman said, but climbed in anyway. This is far more charming. She came in and sat next to the man in the top hat and waistcoat. Her laughter rang out like piercing little silver bells as she exclaimed, And you're in costume, too. How very quaint. The man turned to the seat across from him, but the passenger in black was gone. Instead, their black coat and their deck of cards sat on the black leather seat. The man looked at the embroidery on the coat and at the patterns in the gold filigree of the carriage. Vines, leaves, poppies, hourglasses, and skulls, he now took the time to notice. With shaking hands, he took the cards. He looked out the window and saw a place and a time which was not his own. He didn't know if he'd ever be able to return to his family and to his countryside that he was once so tired of, but now shed tears for. He stuck his head out the door of the carriage and glanced at the driver. There was no driver. He glanced at the horse. It was white as milk. Are you all right? The woman asked, banging her hand against the carriage's walls, indicating that the driver should take off. The carriage began to move. She shut the door and looked at the cards in the man's hands. Do you want to play? The man looked down at the cards, and then up at her. He smiled. Bet you this carriage ride? Where is it that I'm going to, my friends? Where are you going? Change will come, as it must. Change in destination is inevitable. It is up to us to guide it, as I said. We must be ready for it. The readiness is all. <laughs> Isn't that right? Good night, my friends. Be well.
Hi there, friends, and thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of On a Dark Cold Night. This is number 75, and that's pretty bonkers. I'd like to first thank Erica for leaving this lovely recommendation on our Facebook page. Erica writes, One of the podcasts I look forward to the most every week is On a Dark Cold Night. The narrator is a dark, brooding presence who makes me want to reach out and talk to her and learn even more about her. She feels so real, and I forget she is a fictional character. The stories she tells are haunting and heartfelt. I never knew that a horror story could have not only happy endings, but beautiful ones. They're the kind of stories that make me occasionally cry tears of joy, something that is rare for me. Thank you for telling such wonderful stories. Oh, thank you so, so much, Erica. That is such a lovely recommendation, and I really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to help out the show like Erica did, you can also leave us a recommendation on Facebook or write a review for us on Stitcher or iTunes. You can also find me on my social media pages. I'm on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night, Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, and on the Facebook page and my YouTube channel, both called On A Dark Cold Night. You can also support the show by listening on the free Radio Public app, where every listen goes towards me as your podcaster being paid for each listen. If you like, you can also contribute financially to the show on Patreon, where every monthly patron of any amount receives access to a link to the soundtrack of the show. You can find out more information on my page at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. If you only want to donate once and aren't interested in uh, receiving any perks, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Also, we have on a Dark Cold Night t-shirts and hoodies. Find these at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Thank you again so very much for listening to my show. Summer's on its way out, and some big changes are coming, and I know I'll do my best to meet that change and guide it the best way I can. Sleep well and take care. <laughs>